I want to tell you something, and that is operating a food company has been one of the most challenging endeavors of my life. From innovating products that we want to land at the intersection of taste and nutrition, to wrestling with supply chain issues and managing inventory, I have had more sleepless nights in the past three years than I have in the last 30, including the 12 when I was a firefighter. But no one tells you that food is hard. But I also want to say it's because of each of you that we continue to get in the trenches day after day after day. It's in our core values to keep at it, knowing that we are filling a giant void in the market with products that you can't find anywhere else. And this makes it easier for us to climb out of bed each day. I want to thank you for your patience. We are anxiously awaiting the return of our organic pancake and waffle mixes. And we're excited to announce that our Plant Strong milks will be available online later this week, followed soon thereafter by the return of our exciting new burger mixes. Our goal is to be your reliable and trustworthy partner for all things Plant Strong, allowing you to stock up on healthy meals that you can make and enjoy in minutes while still managing your busy lives. I appreciate each and every one of you and want you to know that the effort will be worth it once more brands start to care about the integrity of the nutrition that they're putting into their products. Thank you so much for your support and please stay tuned for exciting updates at planstrong.com. Hey gang, I just saw this fun review of our show on Apple Podcasts from Trisha Gray. It reads, I had the pleasure of meeting Rip at a Plant Strong Immersion Retreat earlier this year. I love this podcast because it keeps me inspired and I always learn so much. The enthusiasm Rip brings to plant-based eating is contagious and he makes veganism cool. Well, <laughs> thanks Trisha, that's very, very kind of you. We had a blast during our week in Black Mountain together. And if I remember correctly, you even sang a song during the talent show that was an absolute hit. And I am super glad that the podcast is keeping you on track. And speaking of our Plant Strong Immersion Retreats, our next event is this October in Sedona, Arizona. If any of you have ever wondered what it's like to join one of our retreats, 99% of our attendees agree they are absolutely life-transforming. I would invite you to come learn, laugh, and grow with us this fall as we enjoy bountiful buffets of plant-strong foods. We're going to go hiking among the red rocks together. We're going to tell ghost stories by the bonfire and we're going to get answers to all of your questions from our team of world-class experts. Learn more at plantstrong.com slash Sedona. And so for my audience members that need a little refresher yeah. on what SOS free cooking is, can you let us know what that means exactly? Sure. It just means cooking without added salt, oil, or sugar. 
And that doesn't mean that we're not, that we're losing out on um, richness or sweetness or flavor. It just means we're getting them from whole foods. What I love about teaching is that I make the food right in front of people and then they get to taste it in the classes and then their light bulbs go on and they're like, oh, I didn't know that. You know, their perceptions start to shift and they say, my husband would eat that or my teenagers would eat that and they get so excited so that's why i love my job i love creating recipes but i most of all love teaching people especially in person when i can see that little moment happen i'm rip esselston and welcome to the plan strong podcast the mission at plan strong is to further the advancement of all things within the plant-based movement we advocate for the scientifically proven benefits of plant-based living and envision a world that universally understands, promotes, and prescribes plants as a solution to empowering your health, enhancing your performance, restoring the environment, and becoming better guardians to the animals we share this planet with. We welcome you wherever you are on your Plant Strong journey, and I hope that you enjoy the show. My guest today, Kathy Fisher, may describe herself as delicate, but in my opinion, she is strong, plant strong. It takes a special kind of strength and determination to transform your lifestyle and adopt a completely SOS-free diet that stands for no added salt, sugar, or oil. Not only does Kathy thrive on this way of eating, she also teaches it through her work as a culinary instructor at True North Health Center. If you remember earlier, we had uh, Dr. Alan Goldhammer on the program. Remember, that's his place. And then also, Kathy also works for the McDougal program with John McDougal, who we also just had on the program, both in Santa Rosa, California. In addition, Kathy teaches online and has her own book and blog of the same name, straightupfood.com. Her recipes and education give you the, the health courage to make bold changes because heaven knows she has heard every objection under the sun to adopting a whole food, plant-based, SOS-free diet. And that's why she's here, to be a resource and a partner to help get you over the hump and recalibrate your taste buds so that you can actually taste and truly experience the flavors of the delicious and nourishing foods that we're all preparing. Her food is simple and yet decadent. It is straight up food after all. Please welcome Kathy Fisher. Hi, Kathy. Hi, Rip. How are you? I'm well. When was the last time that we saw each other? 2012. 2012. I think it was at uh, True North, right? True North. You just popped in for the day and um, was checking the place out. Yeah. I don't know if you'd ever been there before that. No, that was my first time and unfortunately my only time. Um, but, you know, obviously heard so much about it and wanted to see it with my own eyes. Yeah, yeah. That, was, that was fun. Um, yeah, you know who else has been on the podcast are all your compadres from McDougal and True North. So I had Alan Goldhammer recently. Just yesterday, I had John McDougal. Um, um, I've obviously had uh, Doug Lyle, 
Anthony Lim. So kind of all, all of your brethren. Yeah, I've been listening to your past um, podcast episodes. Oh, okay. And they're wonderful. Yeah, I just I just love all those guys. They're so great and so informative. Well, and, and they are. But, you know, where the rubber hits the road, that's where you come into play. And, and you have become a very instrumental and important part of both the McDougal program and True North, which you've been doing for a long time. I want to talk about that. But first, it seems to me like you are, you really, you've become like the queen of SOS free cooking. And so, and so for my audience members that need a little refresher on what SOS free cooking is, can you let us know what that means exactly? Sure. It just means cooking without added salt, oil, or sugar. And that doesn't mean that we're not, that we're losing out on um, richness or sweetness or flavor. It just means we're getting them from whole foods. So instead of the, the concentrated food products, I think is what Dr. Goldhammer calls them, um, salt, oil, sugar, we're just getting those things more naturally from whole foods. And at True North, they have a very whole foods emphasis. Um, you know, so as much as possible, eat whole foods with a few, um, you know, refined things like corn tortillas and soy milk and canned beans. And we do some some of that kind of stuff, too. But the salt, oil, sugar can get really problematic for people. But what I love about teaching is that I make the food right in front of people and then they get to taste it in the classes and then their light bulbs go on and they're like, oh, I didn't know that you know, their perceptions start to shift and they say, oh, my husband would eat that or my teenagers would eat that. And they get so excited. So that's why I love my job. I love creating recipes, but I most of all love teaching people, especially in person when I can see that little moment happen. Yeah. And so tell me just a little bit about your own personal journey. So if I'm not mistaken in doing my research for today, I, I see that you, um, in 1999, you decided that you would learn the language of human nutrition. Yes. And why is that? Did you Were you having any issues? Yes. Isn't that the way it happens? We usually come into this with an issue, many of us. Uh, my issue was dairy intolerance. And I had always struggled with it. And it's funny to look back now. You think, oh, well, you could put those two pieces together and kind of figure it out. But back then, nobody, I don't know. And it's so delicious, you know. Uh, ice cream and cheese and all of that. And nobody was saying, oh, you don't need to eat dairy. Um, you'll be fine without it. And I remember I was at work one day and a co-worker of mine um, said, oh, have you ever heard of Dr. McDougall? He's got all these books out and he says you don't have to eat dairy. And I'd never heard of him, even though I lived a half hour away from him. And uh, he even had a radio show at that time. I just wasn't in those circles, you know. And so I was probably pretty um, motivated to cure my stomach aches. So I picked up one of his many books. I forget which one it is, maybe the McDougal plan. And I read it and it just made sense to me. The way he wrote, the way he spoke, I got it, you know, and I could tell he had done his homework and he knew what he was talking about. And so I just started implementing things gradually. So the first thing I gave up was the dairy foods. And I just felt so good. You know, it's the simplest thing sometimes. And uh, 
and it from there it just kind of became a, a hobby of mine and I really enjoyed it. I started getting more books and watching the videos and going to the local veg events. And I was just totally enthralled with it. So in that sense, it wasn't difficult for me because I was very open-minded to it. I was ready to go. And um, so, yeah. And my method was to start eliminating the things besides dairy that were easy for me to eliminate that I didn't really care about that I would still eat on occasion. So I really wasn't a big meat eater, pork chops, chicken, steak. So those things I'm like, all right, those are on the no more list. Um, uh, dairy, of course, um, oil took a little longer, but Dr. McDougall's no oil. So I eventually stopped using that. And, you know, going out to eat, sometimes I give myself a little treat. And I think the last thing I gave up was sushi because I love sushi. So now I still go to sushi. I just order differently and it's totally possible. Um, so yeah, that was, that was the deal, Dr. McDougall. And, um, I just been that kid. My dad is the same way. We both have the dairy intolerance and I just hated it because it had started to affect my social life. I'm like, Oh, I don't want to go out. Cause I might get a stomach ache. And, you know, if I ate just a little bit, I could get away with it, but if I ate too much, you know, it was, it was not good. It started really bothering me. So I was motivated to, you know, pain is a good motivator. What was, what, what was the, uh, typically the culprit? Was it cheese? When you say dairy, are we referring to cheese? Are we referring to sour cream, milk? Yeah. We always had ice cream and we always had cheese. And I think I would just go crazy. I'm kind of a sweet tooth person. And so I'd probably just go crazy on the ice cream and the cheese and um yeah i was just kind of a delicate kid too growing up i was often sick strep throat um earaches i had pneumonia a couple times and it was just always a, a problem for me so i think this this open-mindedness toward being healthier was cultivating you know inside of me for a long time mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. my mom was health-minded but not vegan you know we grew up on a little farm and we grow our own vegetables and some of our own animals for food and um so you know we had she put the oatmeal in the crock pot the night before because she didn't like to get up early so it would just be ready for me and my sister when we got up before school we just take the oatmeal out put all the sugar on it you know and the milk and uh so we were kind of healthy and I remember we had one cow because, you know, a cow can feed a lot of people. And um, what was the name of the cow? Barney. Barney. I love the name Barney. I, know. I probably named him and he was black and black and white, I think. And, uh, and then he, you know, we lived on some acres out in the country and we had some pigs and other things too, chickens. We had everything. And my dad's kind of a farmer by nature. And, um, so they they uh, put Barney out of his misery one day, and um, and that was really hard. And I think that was another little seed that kind of stuck in me because I didn't see it, but I heard it. And and then I remember one night at dinner, um, I asked my mom at the table. We always ate together as a family, and my mom, I said, "Is this Barney?" And she said, "This is the best meat you're ever going to eat." That was her reply. So was it Barney? 
Uh, yeah, because it was the best meat, you know, we were ever going to eat because it was the homegrown meat, you know. And um, I just never forgot that. And she wasn't being mean about it or whatever. She just kind of stated it. And it just stuck in my head like, you know, if I knew how to curse at that age, I probably would have and walked out, you know, walked away. But I don't really remember what I did after that. But I didn't. Uh, but it definitely stuck with me. And I didn't go vegan. I think I was nine or eight or nine or something. So, um, but I definitely never forgot that. And I'd always loved animals and it just reinforces in me how children love animals, you know, some more than others. And I was that kid. I don't have children. Um, I always knew from a young age, I just wanted animals. And that's what I, that's what I still have. I have three cats. So, um, and I've always had animals in my life. And so I'm sure in that moment with the Barney thing, it just kind of, uh, you know, it's like, oh, this, this isn't right. But um, so, yeah. So we were kind of health minded in a way. Um, but my mom still is health minded and she she does her and her husband eat the plant based now. So I'm glad that she came around. She's been doing it for many years. They go to True North. They fast. So hmm. they've, they've really embraced it. What about your father? Is he still alive? He is. He and his wife live in Maine. Hmm. And um, they don't eat this way, but they are trying to eat healthier, they say, because they're getting older, you know, and um, and they seem to be doing OK. So um, but he's very proud and he's very, um, you know, follows me on Facebook and all that stuff. And uh loves what I'm doing. Maybe they're doing some of it and they just don't tell me. I don't know. But whenever I talk to them, they said, we're trying to do better. Nice. Uh, so you mentioned that, you know, when you were younger, you were kind of a delicate girl. Do you, do you still feel like you're delicate or, or maybe in some ways, but you're also very sturdy? Mm. Yeah, I've always considered myself kind of delicate, um, especially physically. And uh, so that's why eating this way is such a good fit for me because I can feel my best. And I'm, I mean, nobody likes pain. Nobody likes being in um, not comfortable, but I really don't like it. I will go to great lengths not to feel uncomfortable, you know, and I've, I've known like my yoga teacher and Buddhist people and they're like, just, just sit in the uncomfortableness. I'm like, I haven't gotten there yet. Um, I just will, whatever, you know, if I need to eat this to feel good, it's not so much about appearance, you know, the appearance and the healthy look comes from striving for the health, you know, so um, the health was always my goal. And it really works. And as long as I exercise, eat well, get my good sleep, all that stuff, I just started buying water instead of using my filter from the sink. I mean, I'm always trying to kind of up it and learn more. And, um, and I want to feel good. And I had a grandmother who, um, when I was born, she, I believe, was already in the wheelchair from arthritis. And she had really bad rheumatoid arthritis. And I think that affected me. And maybe we talked about it, but I just got that message from a young age that your health is number one. And if you don't have your health, everything else Oh, I just heard the best quote um, in a video I was watching. What was it? I loved it so much. I wrote it down somewhere, but um, it said, if you're healthy, you have a million choices. If you're unhealthy, no, if you're, 
you know what I'm trying to yeah, say. Yeah, yeah. Tony, it, it was in it was in Tony Robbins' book, and, and, it, and he started one of the chapters with it. But it was something like, yeah, when you're healthy, you have a million different choices. When you're unhealthy or when you're sick, you, you're really there's only one thing you want, and that's to be healthy. <laughs> yes, exactly. So um, I've always been a person that wants lots of things. I'm not. I'm always doing something, learning something, going somewhere, taking a class, and I just want to take a bite out of life all the time. And I just knew that if I'm unhealthy and I don't feel good, it's just so much harder. It's so much harder. So I, I enjoy it. It's kind of like a fun game for me to just, yeah, I yeah. love it. Well, let's talk about taking a, a healthy SOS bite out of life, right? So we can, we can attain uh, the elusive health that so many Americans are, are missing right now. And I'd like to start by asking you, so what what is your overarching philosophy when it comes to your cooking? Like beyond like no added salt, no added sugar, no added oils, what's your philosophy when it comes to plant-based, grains, gluten-free, stuff like that? I pretty much eat the way that True North advocates. Um, so I have followed that philosophy pretty much. I've been working there for 12 years. Before that, I was at McDougal and I still am. Um, they're slightly different. So again, I think because I'm delicate and I just want optimum health, I, I tend to lean toward uh, True North a little bit more, which is more closer, you know, less processed, closer to nature. And um, so I really do follow that. I do have a couple things in my cookbook that aren't true, that they probably wouldn't serve at True North because of that old sweet tooth that I had from when I was a kid. So, you mean like the carrot cake? Yeah, carrot cake. I have waffles. I have pancakes. Yeah. Um, I have oatmeal cookies, stuff like that. And I make my own flour. I just grind up oats because mm -hmm. they're gluten-free or millet or quinoa, something like that. And I just make my own baked goods. But they are in the once in a while category, once, you know, special occasion and um, so that that works for me. So but otherwise, it's it's very true north when I'm here cooking for myself. It's very simple. It's pretty repetitive. It's funny that I make recipes for a living because I don't use I don't really use recipes at home. If I'm going to my mom's and I'm making them dinner, they live about an hour away um, or we're doing holiday together or something. I'll break out the recipes. But I would say my philosophy for myself and for other people, especially if they're not into make, you know, digging out the recipes, if they don't like to cook much, is just to keep it very simple. So there's lots of little things like that I try to get across to people in my classes. It doesn't have to be difficult. If you're the type that loves to go into the kitchen and just mm, hang out and make a recipe and try something new every week, you can do that. If you hate cooking, there's also options for you. And it's funny, people that come to True North are often, they've tried everything else and they're there and they're like, ah, okay, this is working. I'm fasting, I'm eating the food here, I'm getting better. I'm gonna have to go home and I have to cook. And they're just not looking forward to it. So I try to let them know that it doesn't have to be difficult. You can have a meal of a big bowl of soup, a big entree salad. Um, you can make things all at once, maybe on Sunday, prepare a couple, you know, some things ahead of time. There's so many different ways to fit the kind of home cook that I'm talking to. Um, or you could do a combination. So 
my philosophy is, you know, keep it easy. I mean, I don't really know too many people in that category who just want to spend a lot of time in the kitchen. Most people want to get in and get out. And, you know, my favorite thing is feeling good. And my second favorite thing is eating. So if I want to do both of those things, um, you know, it's not really spending a lot of time in the kitchen. Um, so, but I am a creative person. So creating the recipes is fun, uh, but I basically make the same, you know, three or four things over and over and over. Every once in a while, I'll get tired of those things. And so I'll pull out a recipe. Um, and it is kind of fun because I, you know, I'm on social media and I do videos sometimes where I'm cooking. So I'll have that food around often. Yesterday, I did a class um, for one of AJ's groups and I made three different salads. So I have three different salads prepared in the fridge. So, um, but otherwise I like it simple. So what you, so you said you kind of rotate around three or four different meals pretty consistently. What, what are those? I would say, so what I do in the morning generally today, I just had fruit so far, but, um, often I'll do a different porridge in the morning. So most people or a lot of people do oatmeal, but I like to rotate. I don't like two days of the same breakfast porridge. So I'll do oatmeal the next day. I'll do quinoa. I'll do millet. I'll do buckwheat, I'll do brown rice, something like that, with some cut up fruit on it, and some cinnamon, and some soy milk, maybe. So you just named off like four or five different grains that you can have mm -hmm. um, for your breakfast. And um, you, I know in your, so audience, let me just say that, you know, so Kathy in 2016 wrote this phenomenal book, Straight Up Food, right? Healthy eating that you can live with. And in here you, you have in the breakfast section, you have a, a whole um, section on hot whole grain cereals, which is what you just described there. But the reason I'm bringing this up is I, I don't do a lot of experimentation with like millet, amaranth, quinoa, especially for breakfast. So could you tell me and the, the listener, What's like the difference between those grains, millet, amaranth, quinoa, uh, buckwheat? Can you tell me like taste and flavor and all that stuff? Yeah, each of them is different, different texture, different flavor. I mean, most grains aren't overly flavorful. Something like buckwheat or quinoa will have more flavor. Um, I'm a real texture person too, so I like to vary it because of that. Um, and all those things are gluten-free. So I, that's why I eat those. I don't have a problem with gluten, but I still, I'm just in the true North mode because that's what I create my recipes for. And on my website, my book, it's all gluten-free. So I've just kind of gotten into that, but um, I just like variety. It's funny. I just said that I don't like a lot of variety in my meals, but I do like variety in my different grains. And I also tend to think it's better, you know, it's kind of good to rotate. So even though I'm doing the basic same breakfast every morning, I'm varying the fruits I'm cutting up on. I'm varying the types of grains. Sometimes I'll vary the uh, non-dairy milks that I'm putting on it. So there is variation within the repetition. Yeah, yeah. So within the within the consistency and the, and the simplicity, there is variation. And Dr. Will Bolshewitz would be very proud of you. And so it would your gut microbiome. Uh, so, okay. So breakfast, you go with the... Um, the hot whole grains, one of the ones you mentioned. Do you ever do brown rice? Do you ever like that as a breakfast grain? 
Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of the undersung breakfast porridge or grain. It's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting. I don't think I, I don't think I've ever had brown rice for breakfast. Yeah, it works. Yeah, I bet. Um, okay. Now, and so you mentioned the fruit. What are some of the fruits you like to rotate around? And are you a fan of frozen fruit, fresh fruit? I'll use frozen fruit in a smoothie or something, but generally I'm buying fresh fruit. I really love going to the farmer's market, so I'll pick up what's in season. And I generally have an, some apple and banana every morning. And then like right now, mangoes in season. So I might add that or some berries. Um, and you could do just one type of fruit if you want, but I like to vary it up, I'll put some a little bit of chopped walnuts on there sometimes. Um, so I love breakfast. It's probably my favorite meal of the day, again, because I'm that sweet tooth. So I just love, and grains are kind of a treat too. They're kind of like dessert a little bit. Mm-hmm. So um, do you ever do, do you ever do greens in the morning? I don't, I know AJ loves her gr- greens in the morning and vegetables, but I don't. I load up on the greens and the veggies at lunch. So for lunch and dinner, I will do some combo of these two meals. So I'll do potatoes with veggies, either raw and or um, cooked, steamed, boiled, whatever. And then for the other meal, I'll do like a tostada and a corn tortilla with beans and rice and lettuce and salsa and avocado. And sometimes I won't do the tostada. I'll just make a taco salad out of it. And I'll make corn chips out of the, um, you know, in the air fryer, make some little corn chips from the tortillas. Um, but I do do that a lot. And sometimes like, okay, <laughs> remember what you do for a living. You got to, you got to change it up here. Yeah. Time so, to change out. Yeah. Uh, all right. Um, what about dinner? Yeah. So I'll either do the potato and veggies for lunch and then I'll do the bean rice veggies for dinner and then the next day I might swap it something like that but when the weather is cooler I'll definitely cook more soups I love soups because they're all in one pot and they're super easy you can't really screw them up too bad if you're new at cooking you know unless you put in too many spices or something but I always tell people start start small and then you can work up you can always add you can't take away um, but soups and you know if I had a family or something maybe I would be doing more recipes but there's so many things um, for, I'm, I have a to-do list a uh, mile long, like probably most people that work for themselves. And I just kind of want to get to it. But yesterday I was making those three salads for that online class and it was so fun. So I got to remember, like, you know, sometimes I'm standing in the kitchen and I'm like, this is boring. I'm tired of eating this. And then I remember like, um, you have this book that you spent you know, a long time. Thank you. Um, creating recipes for, and this isn't just some cookbook. This is the cookbook that has your favorite dishes in it, the way exactly you like. Don't forget that. So it's funny. I have to remind myself sometime like, oh yeah, I have a cookbook. And sometimes I don't even make my own recipes the same. I'll vary it. And I like to let people know you can vary it because sometimes you don't have something on hand or you're trying to avoid something, you become sensitive to something or whatever, make it your own, you know, within the plant-based options, make it your own. I don't like hot and spicy food too much. I definitely don't do jalapenos. So I always make a point to tell the hot and spicy lovers, go ahead, make it hot and spicy in any way you like, red pepper flakes, 
cayenne, some kind of sauce, whatever it is, go for it. Um, so I want to I want to talk about some of the recipes in your book, but be before we do, um, you know, you've been you've been teaching classes now at True North. You said since it was 2012, uh, 2010, so 12 years, yeah. Okay, and so like for the listener that is out there and they just mentally feel stuck, uh, and I'm going to throw a couple objections at you and I want you to tell me how you would like what you would say. So the first is Kathy, it's just too hard to make this change. I just I don't I don't think I can do it. What what would you say to me? I would say that it's definitely possible and a good way to think of it is like learning a new language. So when you learn a new language you don't expect to have a you know to be fluent in a day or week or month. It's going to take time. I mean, you assuming the person is committed, they really want to do this. Small bites, small steps. Um, often people will come into this new and they think, oh, I need a, you know, uh, I need all these recipes. You don't really need all these recipes. You know, pick five, pick three and write them down if that's helpful to you. Planning. Oh, my gosh. Planning is the key to everything, especially I mean, once you're rolling, you don't have to plan everything. Like, I don't really plan anymore. But when you're starting, just to get out a piece of paper and write down, like, okay, these are, you know, if I've looked at Kathy's book, these are the options she's putting out there for breakfast. This sounds good. I'm going to write that down. This sounds good. So writing it down really helps. We always think we're going to remember things. We're not. Write it down and make your slots for each day of the week. And you can repeat um, so if you make a th big thing of soup, you can have that for many meals, especially when you're getting going. You're, you, you're not trying the cornucopia of all plant-based recipes. You're trying to readjust your palate. You want to give it a couple weeks, a month. And if it takes repeating simple foods, then do that. Because the more you stay on without veering up, your taste buds are going to recalibrate and talk to your brain and they're going to start saying, oh, this food is great. And you're going to start craving that food, that new food that you're eating. It's not really new food, new preparations. And your brain is going to start getting used to not having whatever that you've cut out, the meat, the dairy, whatever. So it's going to start getting used to that. And so I don't want people to get so overwhelmed with the details. And when I create my recipes, and maybe this is helpful uh, to make this point that I have a, a beef stew recipe without beef. Okay, so let's keep all the things in that we know are health promoting, that we already have around the house, potatoes, carrots, celery. And let's take out the things that aren't so health promoting, the meat, the oil, loads of salt. And then maybe we'll just leave some things out. Maybe we'll substitute with something else. So in the beefless stew, I take the beef out. I substitute with chunky portobello mushrooms. It works like a charm. And... What else? Um, so I don't add oil. You don't need oil. I've never met anyone who says, gosh, I really miss that oil. Nobody says it. Don't worry about it. You know, replacing oil in a soup like that or a stew is just using water, using some vegetable broth. It's not hard at all. So you keep all these things that make beef stew look the way it does and taste the way it does for the most part. You might substitute with some of these other things. And then it looks like 
what people are already used to eating. And does it taste exactly? Does it have that meat taste? No, but it tastes close enough so people enjoy it, you know? And if they really want salt, add salt to yours. If you're having company and you don't want to impose your no salt food on them, put a salt shaker on the table. They can add it if they really want to. But I always tell people if um, sometimes in my classes, they'll say, oh, it needs salt. And I'll know that they're saying that because they are used to eating salt at every meal that they eat, probably. Maybe not breakfast, but some people use salt at breakfast. So um, it doesn't need salt. You're just used to using a lot of salt. So in lieu of salt, I'm always working to give more flavor. And if, you've, if you're just eating one of my dishes and your standard American diet using all the salt, of course, you're going to say it needs salt because that's what you're, you're used to. Um, but if you give it time, you'll be like, wow, this is great. And all these flavors. And like I said, you can always add more flavors if you want. So, so what I'm hearing is, you know, if you have this attitude, it's too hard to change. Dive in, give it a couple weeks for your taste buds to kind of recalibrate. And before you know it, you're going to be craving the good stuff and you're not going to miss what you thought were your favorite foods that you couldn't live without. Yeah, and you won't lose affinity for those other things. Um, but, you know, keep your house clean. Don't keep anything, excuse me, that um, you're trying to avoid in your house, if at all possible, because you will be tempted. But yeah, it's, it's an amazing thing. I wake up every day and at every meal, I'm so excited to eat. And I know you know what I'm talking about. It's like, I get to eat again. I've been plant-based for 23 years. It never gets old. I, I never I'm like, oh, I got to eat fruit again. I got to eat oatmeal again. I got to eat these stinking potatoes again. It's never like that. And so people, another little tip is I tell them, you got to have faith just for a little while because there's this bridge and you're going to be, mm -mm, you're going to want to turn around and go back the other way. You can't keep going over that bridge. It's going to be hard. And, but once you get on the other side, it'll be so much easier. And maybe that's like with many things in life. You just got to get over that hard initial part. Well, as you, and as you say in your book, you got to have a, you got to build up your health courage. Yes. I wrote that in the part about eating out. So I have lots of articles in the back about uh, how to eat out. And that's really scary for a lot of people who are new to eating this way. I say, if you're brand new to eating this way, don't eat out for a month, which throws people They're like a month. But Eating out is like a danger zone mm -hmm. until you have that courage and you know how to order. Um, and if you get to that restaurant and you're starving, you're not going to want to ask the waiter for a baked potato with some salsa and broccoli. But you will get to that point where you will be doing it at home. You will feel so good about what you're doing. You'll see the changes in your body, how it's working, how it's looking. Your taste buds will be recalibrating and you will love it so much that when you go out, you'll have your little boundary. You know, I'm not going to do that. And there's lots of tips for eating out. And I put those in the book. But uh, yeah, there's so many, there's so many ways. And also, I say, if you do veer, you go out, you veer, don't beat yourself up. Each meal is a new opportunity to just get right back going in the right direction. So we're not aiming for perfection in the beginning. But we are ask, you know, you want to go in that direction. You don't want to turn around and go the other way. Yeah. So you build up that health courage. And at the same time, you also, you're not as concerned about being an eyeball. 
because a, a lot a lot of people they don't they don't want to stick out like a sore thumb they don't want to cause problems they don't want to be the the oddball you know vegan plant-based person right, right. which yeah so what do you what do you think of that let me think about that uh yeah been there done that i think having that that time behind you where you've already been doing it so you feel stronger that's going to help um but I don't know. You just got to give it time because then after you're doing it a while, your people are going to know what you do. Oh, that's Kathy. She eats this way. Um, and they're not going to bat an eye, you know, for the people that you know. Um, they might, but who cares? You'll get to that point like, okay, whatever. No one, no one else. I mean, uh, letting other people dictate you, what goes into your mouth and to your body and results in your health makes no sense you're the you're the one who has to live in your body every day you have to wake up feeling icky or feeling good so and it can only be determined by you no one else is putting that fork up to your mouth and i know it's hard people put pressure on you especially if we have our spouse and they don't want to eat the same way we do and there's tactics for that as well but you got to be courageous and when you go out to eat or you go to someone's house you know you want to be a kind you always want to be kind when you're talking to the waiter and whatever but um ask for what you want and especially nowadays 2022 everybody's asking for everything people are not oddballs the way they they used to be even the no oil um they might go no oil and you go yeah and they'll say i'll check with the kitchen and they'll go back and they'll check and they'll come out and tell you so um and sometimes i have ordered things with no oil like home fries you know they usually drench them in oil and I'll say um, home fries dry, which means no oil. But sometimes they've been pre-prepared pre with a little bit of oil and they bring it out and they have a little bit of oil on it. So then at that point you can decide to not eat it or to eat it. And sometimes I have eaten it because I'm starving and maybe, and maybe a part of me is like, oh, I don't want to inconvenience them. I'm not, you know, it depends with the situation, but um, I'm not trying to be so perfect either that I'm driving myself nuts. So um, don't drive yourself nuts. Get back on at the, the next meal. Um, and the more time you have behind you of doing this, the easier it will get. You will know which restaurants are your go-to restaurants. You'll know what to order when you go there. If you don't know, if, you'll, if you're going somewhere and you've never been there, you can look online. Everybody has their menus online. And lastly, you can always ask for what you want. They might say no, but often they say, oh, yeah, we have baked potatoes or rice laying around in the back. And steamed veggies is becoming a more common request. And uh, so, yeah, you might not be eating the big meals that everyone else is around. But when you get to this point, I don't care. And it's also a point of education for other people should they ask. I'm not sitting around preaching to everybody like, oh, you should be like me. But often they will ask, like, oh, why are you eating that? Or what are you eating? And then I can talk to them about it. So I like that. So um, let's let's talk about some of your cooking techniques and, uh, and some recipes in particular that are in Straight Up Food. Um, I do want to say that I have some quotes here from some people like Doug Lyle that says, Kathy's simple but flavorful approach is exquisite. You have Chef AJ, right? Kathy's food is among the best that I have ever tasted. 
And then, you know, our nutritional guru, Jeff Novick, I call her work elegant simplicity, right? So, I mean, a lot of, a lot of good shout outs for, for your work, your cooking style. Um, so let me start by just saying, so you cook without oil for people that are like, oh my God, how do you cook without oil? Like, what do you, what do you tell people? Uh, I tell them it's all possible. I haven't used oil in forever. Um, oil is very high in fat, though. It's the most calorie-dense dense food there is. So you w- you may notice, oh, I'm, I'm missing that fat and that richness. But if you're committed to getting it out, out of your cooking, just know there's way to c- ways to cook without it. So it depends if you're stir-frying, if you're baking, if you're using it in a salad dressing. So there's different techniques for what you're doing. Yeah. But the thing with oil is, I, I would say that for most of us, um, not you, but most people, they grew up using oil in their house. Um, their parents used oil, and we learn how to cook often from our parents. And so it's just a habit that maybe we've never really thought about. Everybody uses oil in the restaurants. It's just everywhere, kind of like salt. So we've never really given a second thought. So just know that we can get used to not having it. And there's other ways to prepare. So when I'm preparing, uh, you know, just stir frying some veggies in the nonstick pan, I like a nonstick pan if I'm not using oil. Um, I'll just put water in there or some vegetable broth. And um, that works just fine. If I'm roasting something in the oven, it doesn't need anything on it. It's just, just put the bell pepper in there, put the garlic in there, the zucchini in there. Well, what's your best friend when you're roasting? Is it parchment paper? Oh, I have both. I, I use parchment paper and then I have a silicone mat. Uh, I use both. I kind of like the parchment paper a little easier. I find, especially when I'm baking things like cookies or um, what else am I doing? Like fries or something like that. It, it's a little, gets things a little crispier than the silicone mat, but I have both. Um I mean, so uh, parchment paper is you throw it away after you use it. I don't really love that about it. Sometimes I use it and it's still pretty clean after I use it and then I can reuse it. So I'm, I'm kind of one of my side things is garbage. I really try to be more aware of not ha- creating so much waste, which when you eat whole foods kind of helps with that. It's really nice. So, um, so yeah, you can still roast without the oil and yeah, you're not going to have all that fat cooked into it and around it and on it, but it's still going to be delicious because when you roast, it's take it's a dry heat. It's taking out all the water. So you're getting a more intense flavor. Um, so it's still going to taste great. If you, a lot of salad dressings have oil in them. And so all my salad dressings, of course, do not. And I have different tricks for that. Um, I usually just leave it out and put something else in like lemon juice or um, apple cider vinegar, or I'll blend up a tomato or a cucumber or something to give the wetness to the dressing. And it's delicious. If you want a richer dressing, you know, because you're giving up that oil, I have recipes like I have a ranch dressing. Talk to me about that. I actually have that written down. I want to know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's so good. So I use um, nuts and seeds as the base when I'm replacing oil. And most often I'll use cashews because they're white, they're a soft nut, they blend easily, and you can make them look like, um, um, what am I saying, like a, a dress, you know, like a dressing, like a ranch dressing is white and creamy. So when I blend up the cashews, they get white and creamy. 
and they don't have a lot of flavor on their own, so they can take other flavors nicely. So you can always do a nut-based dressing if you're trying to lose weight or watch your calories or something. You might not want to do a lot of uh, nut-based dressings. But another trick of mine is to use white beans. They're white. They blend up well. They'll give you that kind of creamy look. They, it won't be like the bright white of the nuts and the seeds, um, but it will still allow you to have a dressing that's kind of creamy um, that doesn't have added big added fat to it. And then that's also a spectrum. So you don't have to just use all the white beans or all nuts. You could use mostly white beans and two cashews if you just want a little bit of richness. So there's room, there's room for everybody depending on what your health goals are. What about in, what about Kathy, what about in desserts? If you're, if you're not doing oil and desserts, what do you use instead? Well, oil gives richness. It also helps hold things together. So what do I use? Um, I don't really have like an, a direct oil replacement, but if I want something to be rich or have some fat in it, like my oatmeal raisin cookies, I think I put in a quarter cup of almond butter. So when you open the almond butter or the peanut butter, something like that, there's that oil on the top, but that isn't refined oil. That's just the natural separation of the oil from the nuts. Um, you can pour that off. Some people still stir it in. Um, but I put a little almond butter in the cookies. And another good example, um, oh, desserts. Um, yeah, nuts and seeds, those can be really easy to overdo on. So that's also in the special occasion category or just a little bit. I know people who go crazy having nuts in their house. They have a really hard time. So you may not even want to have nuts in your house for a while if you're going to um, eat nuts and seeds at all. Um, and what else do I have that's a dessert? Well, for example, like I, I wrote down a couple that really jumped yeah. out to me. One was your sweet potato pecan pie. Oh, yeah. Um, and obviously that doesn't need oil, right? I mean, the pecans just are like so, so rich and mm. Yeah. Yes. And I don't think I add any fat to the filling. I think the crust has some nuts and dates in it. Oh, it's made of nuts and dates, but the filling does not have any fat. And I'm real conscious of if I do need to add fat to something, I'll try to do the least amount. So it works. For example, I have a waffle recipe. Yes. Yeah. And most of the time, oil-free waffles just don't have the oil in the batter, but they still tell you to put the oil on the griddle or the, the irons. Um, but if you put a little bit of fat in the batter, you don't have to put any on the irons if you have a nonstick waffle iron. So I just put this like two tablespoons of cashews or almond butter or something in the batter. And that way it allows it not to stick to the irons. And another good one, um, which isn't a dessert, but it's hash browns. You know, a lot of people get in this way of eating. They're like, oh, I'm going to have to give up X, Y, and Z. So it may, it's exciting for me to give people recipes that will surprise them, like hash browns, because that typically is made on a griddle with oil. Otherwise, those potatoes are going to stick to your um, pan. So I have one nonstick uh, frying pan. It's called Ozeri, O-Z-E-R-I. It's my current favorite, and it's pretty inexpensive. Where'd you get it? Online or like... I I ordered it online yeah. because Chef Ramsey's at True North. He uses Ozeri's to make his um, crepes. I mean, crepes, you know, those are super thin and they work well on the Ozeri. It's like a ceramic coated 
um, coating. So that's a good one. And I think they're only like $40 or something. So um, I have that for things like veggie burgers, hash browns, mm. pancakes, which I make occasionally. You need no oil in the pancake batter or on the pan. It, it works great. The thing with nonstick pans, by the way, is you just don't want to overheat them, you know, um, to preserve them for longer and also not to get anything weird coming off the coating. Although nowadays, uh, nonstick pans are made much better than they used to be. So if you're worried about nonstick pans, um, just don't overheat them. I never turn my nonstick pans over medium. Oh. Because if you compromise that coating of the nonstick pan, then that's when things start to stick and then you got to throw it away. And um, so they're just a little more delicate. And even if you treat nonstick pans well, they still have a shelf life. I think it's like five years or something. Well, that's, so some really, that's some really good advice. I know we have a green pan and um, I do all of our, our pancakes in it. And I said we have gas and it goes from basically zero to high, like one to ten. And I always set it at three and a half. Um, and I don't go over that. And then for, you know, when I really want to like, you know, stir fry onions and put it on high or something like that, then I, I do the, uh, the cast iron. Do you have a cast iron or do you not use cast iron? I've never used a cast iron. All my cookware besides my nonstick frying pan is just stainless steel. Um, so I just, I mean, I've had, yeah. So but I do say to people, if you want to do things like the hash browns and the pancakes and the veggie burgers, you kind of need, I mean, you can bake all those things too. If you're really, I don't want to do nonstick pans, you can bake them. They won't turn out quite like the browning the same way, but they still will work. You know, the, um, you mentioned your waffle recipe. I was looking at that because I love making waffles for the family on Sunday. And um, you have, you take oats, you throw them into your Vitamix blender. So you, then you make oat flour and then you put in um, what I love is you said here, let me find my notes here. Oh yeah. You put in corn flour. Oh, cornmeal probably. Yeah. 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 Cornmeal. And does that kind of give it a little bit more of like a, a, a hardiness? But I, I saw that and I was like, Oh, I really want to try that. Yeah, it does. And it gives texture, you know, we're, we're eating for flavor, but we're also eating for texture and oats on their own, you know, they're okay, but I always love mixing oats with something else. It just makes it more interesting. And then I always grind my own because it tastes better. Um, it just tastes better. I've bought store-bought flour and made things just to try it because people ask me, oh, will this work with store-bought flour? So I'll try it out. And it works not exactly in the same way, but it doesn't taste as good. So I tell people, they're like, oh, grind your own flour. That's a drag. Well, then you only grind as much as you need. You don't have the big bag sitting around. Um, by the way, if you do have bags of flour sitting around, don't keep them in your fridge. The moisture from the fridge will compromise that and it just won't taste good. Just keep it in your cupboard. Um, yeah, I just grind mine as I go. And I've learned about both the pancake and the waffle recipes. You know, it's funny, I the cookbook's been out so now long now I learned things. I'm like, oh, I could have done that, you know? And now I realize, I could just put all those ingredients into the blender. I don't have to get a mixing bowl and, you know, do it a separate, like grind the oaks and then put it in the bowl. So, um, but yeah, so try those waffles and also try the pancakes because they're oatmeal lemon pancakes and they have a little bit of lemon zest in them. And uh, it just makes your whole kitchen smell amazing. So, Yummy. Yeah. Um, 
what about so can you make millet flour or amaranth flour or any of that stuff like you can i mean can you just throw it into the the blender and blend it up yes yeah if you have a high-speed blender especially like a vitamix it's really easy to make your own flour the only flour that's kind of hard to make is like a rice flour because rice is so hard you can do like a cream of wheat texture where it's kind of coarse sand and maybe if you cut blending it would turn into flour but so i don't do rice flour very often plus making grinding rice flour is very loud it's like obnoxious so um if i if i do need a rice flour which isn't that often i think that's one i'll just get in the bulk bin i think i learned from mary mcdougall long ago rice flour makes a really good thickener for gravies because it doesn't clump brown rice flour so um but yeah grinding your own flour is great millet is another one that's hard not as hard as rice but you can grind millet in your blender and uh, yeah, it works. I great. like it. And you don't, you don't like technically have a, um, a chef background. This is all self-learned, right? Yes. Yes. I mean, when I was a teenager, I loved baking again, the sweet tooth. So I'd make cakes and cookies and stuff at home, but I never endeavored to be a chef. No, but I had already been eating plant-based for, a while before I got the job, offered the job at True North. And I'd already been an elementary school teacher as well. So I thought, okay, well, I cook for myself plant-based at home and I have taught before. So maybe I can put these two things together and, and be a good teacher. But I am quite the different teacher now than I was at the beginning. And it's funny because True, at True North, people come back all the time. Like they've been coming for 30 years, you know. And sometimes they'll say, wow, you're such... A different teacher than you used to be um and it's just because i've done it so much uh, but yeah in the beginning i didn't know i didn't know what i was doing i would just make recipes out of dr goldhammer's health promoting cookbook and it and there was like six or eight people in the class and it was just really fun i think that's when you came by i was just starting i started there in 2010 and um and then the next year in an effort to be a better teacher, I joined Toastmasters. So I was a Toastmaster for nine years. And I think that helped me because I'm kind of an introvert and I'm a little more, um, you know, wallflower. So teaching and doing the Toastmasters kind of brought me out and just over time made me really comfortable uh, talking in front of people. And now if I talk in front of hundreds of people, I just love it. I just love it. I'll still be a little nervous, you know, but I love it. But doing the cooking demos is so fun because you're feeding people and everybody loves to eat. So nice. Well, and things at True North are hustling and bustling these days, right? So you're probably not delivering your classes to six or eight people, but probably. No. So how many people on average? Maybe like 15 or 20 yeah. in the class physically. We do have space, space limitations there. Um, so we do the classes in the dining room. And it's not that big. But now at True North, they have the camera in the dining room. So all the lectures, myself included, are it's streamed into people's rooms if they want to watch from their room. And I believe it's through something called Roku, which I'm not really familiar with, but it's archived. So if you have the Roku at your house, when you go home, I think you can access those past lectures. That's pretty, that's pretty trick. I know it's pretty neat. So I'll teach a class and then someone will come down who was watching in their room and they'll get the sample, you know? Um, so it's, it's really nice. I, 
I, I particularly like the small groups because you can talk to people and answer their questions and they get to taste the food afterwards. So it's, it's really fun. And so many people are encouraged after going to an in-person cooking class. They're like, okay, I can do that. That looks easy or that tasted great or both. Yeah. Um, I, I want to talk about three recipes right now. So chef AJ said, oh my gosh, there's three recipes that everybody needs to try of yours. The first, it was the two no salad, two no salad. What can you tell yes. me about that? It's obviously, but it probably tastes like a tuna salad, but there's no tuna. Right. And actually when I named it two hyphen no, um, I researched it first and uh, I found out that was a brand name of something at some point, but they had gone out of business or something. So I thought, oh, I'll be clever and come up with this, this name. And now in the world of SEO and, you know, you know, search engine optimization, it's not the best name. So when people reprint that recipe and they want to put it on their site, which I'm fine with, they want to rename it. And I've kind of learned through that, that um, you got to name things what people are searching for. Anyway, I called it tuna because there's no tuna in it. And instead of the tuna, I use garbanzo beans, which is really common. Most vegan plant-based chefs will have a tuna salad, tuna salad recipe and usually use garbanzo beans. Some people use almonds, um, but most of the time it's garbanzo beans because when you smash them, it kind of looks like canned tuna and it even kind of smells like tuna. It's very unusual. So in my classes, I'll smash the garbanzo beans in the food processor or with the bottom of a, you know, a cup or something. And then I'll walk around and show it to everybody. And it's just one of those moments where they're like, oh yeah, that smells like tuna. And if you want to add more seafood flavor to it, you just add some kelp granules, which you get in the spice aisle or the Asian cooking aisle. And um, so that's the hard part about that. You know, the it's not hard. That's the substitution for the tuna. And then I keep in the things like the celery, the green onion. I put some fresh basil in mine. And then I make that uh, dressing out of the cashews. And I make kind of a mayonnaise out of that that has mustard and lemon juice and garlic and stuff in it. So I think people love that one. That and the beef stew are probably my, and the carrot cake are probably my three most popular recipes. Uh, there's another one. There's another one that yeah. I, I'm going to call you out on here. But so tell me this, with, with that tuna salad, how do you recommend people have it? You like it on a piece of like open face sandwich, like bread or on a bed of leafy greens? Yeah. So the interesting thing about true North is they don't do any bread there. Mm. So, um, so I teach people, but if you do do bread, yeah, you could make a sandwich out of it. Um, but in the true North vein, we say you can eat it on its own. You can eat it on a spinach salad or a green salad. You can, spoon it into romaine lettuce leaves and make some little boats out of it. You can put it into a steamed corn tortilla and put a couple tomatoes or avocado on top and just kind of eat it like a taco. So there's lots of options. Sometimes I will lightly steam a large collard green leaf. I can't eat them raw. If you can eat them raw, go ahead. <laughs> they're, they're easier to roll if they're just steamed for like 30 seconds or less. And then you pat them with a, um, paper towel and then you just roll some tuna salad in there like a sushi roll and then you cut it in half so if you're doing a little party or something and you want to have a cute little appetizer that is a great one well and and that and that collard green leaf when you when you steam it for like you said 30 seconds or so it just becomes this vibrant beautiful green 
Yeah, it's great. And when you do that, cut off the big stem, but leave the middle stem because you, you're going for a big, complete circle. You don't want to break that. So there's lots of different ways to eat the tuna salad. Yeah. So the other recipe besides the carrot cake and besides the no beef stew is the creamy coleslaw. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so what do you do to make that creamy? Is that the, um, is it white beans or is it cashews with some stuff? You could do the white bean trick with it, but I usually do the cashews because we're emulating a mayonnaise based dressing that's usually on coleslaw. And I love options. So I'm trying to make it as close to traditional as possible in taste as well. But I always give the people the option. You can use the white beans if you want. But um, yeah, that's a great recipe. And it's got the cabbage and the carrots, but also has some raisins and some apples in it. Is there anything else? Probably some onions too. And then, yeah, that same cashew based dressing. It's got a little mustard, a little garlic. I kind of use that in many different places. And I tell people if you can't eat cashews or nuts, but you can't eat seeds or, you know, find the nut or seed that works for you or do the white bean trick. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so a dish that I love, but I have a hard time getting right. And I actually had it in my first book, The Engine 2 Diet. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's just, it's not to the level that I'd want it to be. And that's a mushroom risotto. And you have a mushroom, you have a mushroom risotto in your book. Yeah. And nobody ever talks about that recipe. It's so funny. I love it. Well, let's talk about it. I'd love to talk about yeah. it for a sec. Okay. <laughs> Yay. Um, yeah. The mushroom risotto, it still uses, that's the only recipe that I do typically use white rice with. Um I usually use brown rice, some kind of brown rice, but it's called arborio mm -hmm. white rice. And it's, it's this type of rice that the more you stir it in the liquid and the heat, it becomes more starchy. And I think so long ago when I made that recipe, I was looking for shortcuts. Like how can we get around all the stirring time? And I don't really think I found one. I think with that kind of rice, you just still have to stir it quite a bit. Um, but the thing with risottos is they're always loaded up with cheese. I'm probably salt and oil. So I wondered if it would still work without the cheese. And it totally works. It totally works. You still have the rice and the deliciousness and the mushrooms and the texture. And it's, I put a little balsamic vinegar in there to give it a little. Mm -mm. And uh, so, yeah, try it. Try it at your house and see if you like it. Maybe get one of your kids on to stir. So you I don't will. I will. What kind, and what kind of mushrooms do you like to use for that risotto? Is that is that a white button mushroom? Is it a? Uh, shiitake, portobello. I, I'd have to look at the recipe, but since it's a mushroom featured recipe, I'm betting I used a combination of mushrooms. Yeah. So probably some shiitake and some cremini, but mushrooms are very interchangeable. I did just discover a new mushroom in a new recipe that's on my blog. It's not in the book. It's called crab cakes. And in place of crab, I use lion's mane mushroom, which I'd never heard of. And I usually don't take like to take people down the path of looking for weird ingredients, but that one was just so interesting to me. And I've done so many recipes. At this point, I'm like, okay, what, what haven't I done? What can I get creative with? And the lion's mane mushroom is sold to Whole Foods. It's really not that weird. Um, you can find it there. And it peels. It peels like, looks like a little broccoli and you can peel it. It's white. And it looks just like crab meat when you peel it. So it's kind of amazing. I love mushrooms. 
you know, I did this um, in, in informal survey on my Facebook page last year or so. Like, what's your most disliked food? And I got hundreds and hundreds of replies. Can you guess what the most disliked food is? Uh, either mushrooms or eggplant. Oh, well, mushrooms was number two. And so I'm aware of that now and I'm creating recipes to try to always give the mushroom haters an option. Um, but I love mushrooms. They're so good. Uh, but the number one disliked food was cilantro. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, what, what I always hear that like 50% of the population has this gene and it makes cilantro for them taste like soap. So maybe that's what's going on there. Yeah, I think that's definitely what's going on because you, you either love it or you hate it. Yeah. So you mentioned you mentioned broccoli uh, just a second ago. And, you know, one of the things to me that is so important when it comes to especially SOS free cooking are the sauces that you're making to put on top of the food. Um, and you have a whole section on sauces and dips and dressings. Um, specifically, I'm just going to call out one. You mm -hmm. have a broccoli garlic sauce. Oh yeah. It, it, that, and I, I saw that. I was like, I, I never would have thought of using broccoli and potatoes and garlic and whizzing it up and creating a sauce from those three ingredients. Yeah. So, that's another one of those recipes of mine that I never hear back from anybody about. So I don't know if people just aren't making it cause it sounds kind of weird, Yeah, but it's, it's, you know, to anything that you can blend can be a salad dressing, you know, like carrots don't blend well. So you would want to use that and it could be a sauce. So, um, and a, a trick I like to do, and I know they do a lot in the raw food world too, is you make your salad, you make your stew. And I do this in the beefless stew. You just take two cups of that. Um, or in the case of the dressing, you know, a portion of the salad, put it in the blender and then you use that as the dressing or you use that to thicken the stew, or you use that as a sauce. Um, but uh, a good tip. yeah, so you can totally blend and blending cooked potatoes is a great trick for a sauce, especially if you don't want to use cashews or a high fat something or other. A potato in any form, except raw maybe, is delicious. So um, and so what? Yeah. And so you put that potato in there. If I didn't want to put broccoli in there what else what, what else would go make for a good sauce with, with that potato yeah you know what a lot of people do is they make a no cheese sauce using the cooked cooked potatoes and cooked carrots because the carrots give it the color and um i don't and then they add like onion dried onion and garlic and sometimes they'll add nutritional yeast because that'll give it the cheesy taste are you a fan of nutritional yeast or not eh, i used it more in the beginning when i was transitioning because it tastes like cheese, but they don't use it at True North. So I just have gotten out of the habit of using it. Do you use avocados at True North? Sparingly. Every once in a while, they'll have an avo avocado in a dressing or something, but never just a container of chopped avocado because it would cause chaos. Because <laughs> <laughs> people are just, because the food they serve at True North is very simple. A lot of people are coming off water fasting for many weeks, you know. Um, and some people aren't fasting, but they keep the food. They're very uh, simple. They have a salad bar that's always open with maybe three dressings at the end. And then on the other side, they have the hot bar. Um, and during mealtimes, they'll have a grain, they'll have some greens, and then they'll have something like a lentil loaf or a stew or something. And then they always have a soup too. But they keep it really simple. 
Um, they don't even do raw onions and garlic on the salad bar because it's people are trying to heal their guts, you know. So they they keep it very basic. Yeah. Well, so if I'm if I'm if I'm looking for a go-to salad dressing because we're we love salads and you have a great section on salads in your book, but like give me a really quick, tasty go-to salad dressing. Okay. Well, tasty is subjective, but um, I would, I'll say this. If I've been doing this a long time, this is just weird me. I don't ever make salad dressings at home. I shouldn't say this, right? Because I'm a salad dressing. No, yeah, we, we, we can edit this out. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> but I want, I'm trying to get the point across that you don't have to make a salad dressing if you don't want to. You can keep it very simple. You could do grapefruit juice, lime juice, lemon juice. You can do a, a next level up, which is just something I do often is I will squirt a little um, mustard and a little apple cider vinegar or another flavor of balsamic vinegar and just stir it right in there. So I didn't really have to make a dressing. I just put those two things together and I happen to love vinegar and mustard. So it works. Um, if I have something in my salad that I, I just did this the other day, like I was chopping up some tomatoes and some cucumber for my salad. And I thought, oh, I'll make, I'll put those in my little blender jar because I have a little blender as well as my Vitamix. And so I put some tomatoes in there, some cucumber, a little vinegar, a clove of garlic, maybe some mustard. And I just kind of made it on the fly. So if you're new to this, maybe that's not as comfortable for you. But after you make a few of my dressings, you will get so comfortable, you'll just do it. You won't need to look at a recipe. Um, you'll feel really comfortable. But yeah, and I have a whole salad dressing roadmap in there too, because it depends what you like. You know, I kind of like things on the the more less flavored, overly flavored side. So I've had to work to make sure my recipes are giving enough flavor to people. So I like a basic dressing myself. But if you want a richer dressing, like if I'm going to an event and I want to bring a dressing, I'll bring like the, the um, ranch dressing or another. I have a really good recipe. Try this one at your house because it's my favorite of my recipes or in my top five. One that you didn't mention yet that's in the book. And it's the curried sweet potato salad. And there's a big picture of it. So look that one up. But it's got this dressing that's got the cashew base. And it's made with some orange juice and a little bit of garlic and um, some curry. And you blend it all up. And then you put it on the cooked sweet potatoes. I use the Hannah yams, the white sweet potatoes. Mm -hmm. And then... Um, there's some green onion in there. There's spinach in there. It's so good. So you can also take any of those um, dressing recipes from those prepared salads and just use them as a standalone dressing as well. Yeah, there it is right there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's so good. And then I put almonds, sliced almonds on the top of mine. And you can, that's optional if you don't want to do the nuts. But um, it's such a beautiful presented salad too. So when I'm asked to go to a little dinner party or potluck back in the old days, I haven't been back to a potluck in so long, but um, that would be one of the things that I would take because it's eye catching. We eat with our eyes too. Don't forget. So we've got to appeal to our eyes and our taste buds as well. Uh, so where, yeah, I know we've been posting it, but where can people find out more information about you and your blog and your recipes and your great work? Uh, so my blog is straightupfood.com. You yeah. can go there and I've, all the recipes are free 
And um, I haven't added any advertising to my site yet, which is really weird. I've contemplated it. So it's really easy to follow site. Uh, it's got great searching. You know, if you only have zucchini in your house, you can search zucchini and find all the recipes that have zucchini. Yeah. Um, so that's my blog. And then social media wise, I'm, most, I'm still most often on Facebook. So you can find me at Straight Up Food on my Facebook page. And following there, me there is kind of fun if you're on Facebook because I post what I made for lunch or dinner. So you can see the recipes, but also what I'm just making day to day. Um, and also sometimes when I'm at True North and I've done a class, I'll have someone take a picture of what I made and I'll post that. And it's it's um, fun. So and then I also have a YouTube channel that really got um going during COVID because I wasn't teaching in person. I was teaching from my kitchen. Mm -hmm. So there's probably like 50 videos up there of me teaching um, various recipes. Well, this has been a fun chat. A lot of great, valuable information that you have accrued yes. since you decided to uh, you know, dive into this lifestyle back in 1999 and all your work at True North and with, uh, with, with John McDougall and the McDougall program, uh, all the people that you've helped, Kathy, you must feel really really great about the career path you've chosen and all the people you're helping with your SOS free plant strong cooking. I do. I get so much love at true North. It's amazing. So they just wash it over me and I take it. Yeah. So I, I do. I love to know that I'm helping so many people and that I get to see a lot of those people in person. It's just the best. It's the best. So thank you, Rip, so much for talking to me today. This was so fun. Oh, it was. Thank you. And again, everybody, straight up food. Great name. Great name. All Thank right. You. Bye, Kathy. I hope to see you again soon. Okay. Bye. As Kathy says, no one can determine what you put into your body. If you're ready to explore a refreshing new approach with cooking, or if you want to clean up your diet to become even more SOS free, visit straightupfood.com to learn more and order her book of the same name. Thanks so much for listening. And as always, keep it plant strong. The Plant Strong podcast team includes Carrie Barrett, Lori Kordowich, Amy Mackey, Patrick Gavin, and Wade Clark. This season is dedicated to all of those courageous truth seekers who weren't afraid to look through the lens with clear vision and hold firm to a higher truth. Most notably, my parents, Dr. Cobble B. Esselstyn Jr. and Anne Cryle Esselstyn. Thanks for listening.